Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. Joe Concha filling in for Sean Hannity, the Sean Hannity Show on this Wednesday before Christmas. Let's bring in my favorite guest. I've said it before. I'll say it again when I fill in. And first call I make is to Carol Roth. She is the entrepreneur and author of The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. We want to take a look at this budget being presented by the U.S. Senate. What exactly is in these 1,455 pages? Carol, have you you looked at this monstrosity yet? I I tried to to spend as little time going (laughs) into the details as possible because it makes me so angry and upset. You know, if we just went back to the spending that we had in 2018 or 2019, we would be running a surplus but these people in Congress who basically do political theater and launder money legally, um, all they want to do is just you know continue to increase their purview, increase their spending, and um, you know unfortunately we are the ones who end up paying the price quite literally for this. Let me break down some of these things to save you time as you uh, <laughs> recover from. Uh, what do you have? Ebola, SARS? It's something bad going on uh, over in the Windy City with you. I, I literally have everything. Oh. <laughs> at this point. If there was something to be had, I, I, I have it at this point. I appreciate you joining us. I mean, any anybody else, you know, you would have said no to, but you said, yeah, Conch, Linda, we, 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 I want to help you out, so I appreciate it. And this will exactly. cheer you up. In, in a way, you'll laugh so hard because it's so pathetic. All right. Here's what's in this particular budget. $1.2 million for, let me see if I get all the letters right. LGBTQIA plus pride centers. That's $1.2 million. $1.2 million for, quote, services for DACA recipients, a.k.a. helping illegal aliens with taxpayer funds at the San Diego Community College. $477,000 for the what's called the Equity Institute in Rhode Island to indoctrinate teachers with 
quote, anti-racism virtual labs. I mean, I could go on and on here as far as, let's see, $750,000 for the LGBT and gender non-conforming housing in Albany, New York. Wow, that's a nice pad. Hopefully MTV Cribs can get up there. Uh, $2 million for the Great Blacks in Wax Museum in Baltimore, where I know I'm taking the kids during Christmas week. And $856,000 for the LGBT Center in New York. I, I mean, this, this is just an example of what we're spending our money on instead of, I don't know, the U.S. southern border, where it's not even a crisis anymore. We've gone to now full catastrophe mode, uh, not seeing a lot of money in here uh, for addressing that problem, Carol. Of course not. Of course not. No, it's, it's very frustrating. I feel like our founding fathers are rolling around in their graves right now. We've gotten so far away from what the federal government should be doing. And, you know, this is why I think we need to have a two-tier tax system, right? We need to have the things that are compulsory, right? You have to fund the military. You have to fund, you know, the, the, the legal system. That's fine. All the things that protect our rights. And then everything else should be optional. So if people want to fund these things, I have no problem but we shouldn't be compelled to fund these things. And so, you know, if people had the opportunity to check a box and say, yes, I want to, you know, do the alphabet soup thing and, and put more taxes towards that, that's fine. But the fact that this is going into an overall budget, which, by the way, isn't even going to be paid for with taxes, we're going to end up printing more money, it's going to generate more inflation, it hurts our purchasing power, yeah, this is the, the vicious cycle that we are in in the twilight of the U.S. empire. Carol, I mean, I know you were in your teens at the time, but I, I'm <laughs> old enough to remember the 1990s, right? And the, the second half of it, where we actually had a budget surplus, right? Yeah. We had a balanced budget amendment. What is that exactly? And can that be achieved again? I mean, as I said, it can be. All we would have to do, given the amount of money that they are taking in from tax revenue right now, is just roll back spending for a few years. I mean, it, I mean, if you just think about that, it, it's staggering. 2018, we would have you know a, a huge, like a, hundreds of billions of dollars in surplus. So this is completely achievable. It's just that nobody in government has the fortitude to be able to to put that forth, which is unfortunate. Um, it would be an amazing thing to start running a surplus, to start paying down that whatever it is today, $31 trillion in debt um, that we have, you know, especially with interest rates increasing and the fact that we're going to have more and more money going to service the interest on the debt. Like, we are in a financial uh, peril going forward. And so if somebody doesn't get that fortitude pretty quickly, it's going to get ugly. And we're talking to entrepreneur Carol Ross. She's the author of The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. A lot of bank CEOs, Carol, and a lot of economists, quite frankly, uh, now conceding that there's a very, very good chance that we will be in a true recession. I thought we were already in one this year when you have two straight <laughs> quarters of negative growth, but they're saying, no, the real one is coming this time, uh, probably in the spring of 2023. Are you on board with that sentiment? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll call it the double dip recession. We had it the first part of the year, we came out of it, and then we're going back in it. The reality is that the consumer has been 
basically carrying the economy on its backs. We have a personal savings rate, which is at the lowest point since the Great Recession financial crisis. Um, we have credit card debt, which is at historic levels. So at some point here, particularly with the Fed trying to destruct demand, which it means kill the consumer, um, you know, at some point the consumer is gonna, going to break. And, you know, with businesses slowing spending and the like, I, I think that it is uh, pretty much an inevitability, although the government is doing everything that it can, as we just talked about, um, to increase their piece of, of that puzzle. So perhaps not, a, not as bad as if they would just have some normalized level of spending. And we're talking to Carol Roth. Uh, you are a prolific tweeter. You get the twitchy treatment. I get it once in a <laughs> while, but the, you're a rock star when it comes to twitchy. And for people that don't know what twitchy is, basically they take the most insane, ridiculous, stupid, quite frankly, tweets that are out there and then show how much uh, those particular folks are being mocked for saying whatever they had to say. Uh, and Carol usually is at the top of that list as far as the mockery is concerned, in a nice way, by the way. You're not an angry person. Uh, you're you're, you're uh, not exactly physically healthy right now, but mentally, I, I think you're, you're all there, and uh, you seem to be optimistic for the most part, and that's why we have you on here. Uh, what do you think about Elon Musk putting out a poll, which may be a little bit imprecise as far as saying, hey, should I stay on as the head of Twitter or not? And of course, you know, the liberals who are primarily more on Twitter than conservatives, I would say, uh, voted him out something like 58-42, I believe was the final tally. And now he's actually going to abide by this poll. So why does the world's richest man spend $44 billion with the B dollars to run it for basically five minutes, made some major changes, don't get me wrong, changed the toxic culture, I think, exposed showed the receipts as far as shadow banning and also obviously showing the collusion that went on between the FBI and the Yoel Roth, the head of site integrity over at Twitter, as far as suppressing, censoring and killing uh, the, the Hunter Biden laptop story. So he's put so much out there right now that really has changed the game. And I hope now this has a chilling effect into Facebook and Google as far as maybe some whistleblowers coming forth from there, because, you know, this is going on everywhere within big tech and Silicon Valley and social media and so on. So overall, why is Musk doing this where he's got, I know he has other companies to run, but I know you want to jump in here. So go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly don't think that Elon Musk puts up a poll unless he has a plan behind it. I mean, he certainly knew um, or was tipping the scale on, on what that poll's outcome was going to be, and that gives him an excuse perhaps to go back to focusing more on Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, all the other things that he does, and perhaps bring in um, a C-level executive, although a very thankless job. I'm not sure who would want that. I do think that Musk made a huge valuation mistake. He far overpaid for Twitter. That $44 billion um, was just an insane price, um, given the, the company's lack of profitability and, and where the market's been. He, he literally bought at the top of the market. And, um, you know, yes, he's done some good things in terms of exposing what, frankly, we all knew, but just giving the, the, the heft behind, um, you know, what we knew was, was going on in terms of collusion between social media and the government and violation of our, our First Amendment rights, uh, in my opinion. But I've got to think, you, you don't get to be one of the wealthiest men in the world um, without having, you know, some sort of plan and even though I do think that he made that mistake in terms of overpaying for Twitter, 
I don't really think that he's um, living and dying by the polls as much as some other people may may anticipate. And we're talking to Carol Roth. I, you know what? I think that in terms of his business decisions around Tesla or SpaceX, and I could go down the list in terms of what made him the world's richest man. I think with Twitter, it was an emotional thing. It was something that was personal to him, that he saw something that he loved using and decided, all right, you know what? I want that to be my toy. And when you have all this money, suddenly $44 billion is basically what you use to tip the skycaps at the, uh, at the airport, right? It's, it's, I, I think this was something that he maybe didn't think through as much. He just wanted Twitter. He wanted to expose it for what he knew it was. And if he takes a loss... And so be it. The one thing I, I want to ask you about, though, because you understand this stuff better than I do, when he purchased the company, I believe he the stock was somewhere around 48, 49. It's now above 53. Does that mean anything? Does that is that what? And trust me, the market, every, everybody else has been taking a beating. But Twitter has has jumped nicely. It was down to 31 at one point this year. Now it's almost doubled. So is that the, the Elon effect in terms of trimming all the fat, in terms of all the uh, employee layoffs of people who was obviously their jobs weren't all that important if Twitter's running exactly the same way it was before? Explain that to me. Yeah, no, I mean, he actually took it private, so it's not publicly trading anymore. Oh. Um, so you may be looking at some, some old data and, and you know, but basically he owns the company as a private company, a private entity now. You're right about that. October 27th, they closed at 53. Yes. So, yes. So there was some variability. But if you look at the stock market and you look at where Twitter likely would have been trading, I think that you're spot on um, that, you know, given where other technology companies and social media companies had been trading and the fact that he bought it at the top, that, you know, he definitely overpaid and, you know, the stock was probably worth a fraction, maybe 25 percent of what he paid for it. Um, Let me ask you, Carol Roth, if you had all the money in the world, what company would you buy just to change it? You don't care about profit. You just want to go in there and say, you know what? I love this place. I don't love it as much as I used to. I'm going to make some changes. What would that be for you? I mean, I think Twitter would have been at the top of it, but I I think... Yeah, where I differ from Elon Musk is I wouldn't want to be out in front. I would want to do it kind of behind the scenes and yeah. have somebody else be that front person because it really is a thankless job. It's something that people feel very strongly about. People are, are tweeting, you know, mean things at you all day and want you to solve your their personal problems. Um, but I do think that it's an important source in terms of news, in terms of you know a, a dialogue and discourse. It's an opportunity to create, you know, some digital rights for individuals and to be a leader in that social space. So I definitely would be on board, um, you know, with the with the Twitter thing. But I, I'd want to be behind the scenes. And I think that, you know, I think that's also another mistake that Elon Musk is making. You know, Twitter is a community. It's not about him. And I think that right now the discussion is is too centered about you know, around him, um, and that, you know, it, it would make sense for him to kind of take a, a little bit of a, a step back and let it play out in all its glory. That makes complete sense, because when you think about that Amazon has 10,000 job cuts 
uh, happening uh, as we speak. And Jeff Bezos owns that, right? But you never hear about Bezos, the other billionaire, right? Because he's not front and center. And Facebook, you know, you don't hear about Zuckerberg all that much, but 11,000 layoffs there. There are going to be layoffs at Disney, hiring freezes, Microsoft. You go down the list, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, uh, CNN, obviously, we've seen. Uh, it, it is just a bloodbath uh, in the media and social media industry now at this point. Okay, we're going to go to the fun part of this interview, Carol. Lightning <laughs> round here, okay? Mariah Carey yeah. or insert classic singing person here, right? Like Nat King Cole. Who do you take? Um, you know, I like I like them both. I, I, I'm really funny. I love the Mariah Christmas song. I went from Christmas is you, but also my favorite song is the Christmas song, Chestnuts Resting on an Open Fire. So I'm 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 a I'm a little little vintagey. And also a little modern. Okay, and yes or no, Die Hard, a Christmas movie, yes or no? Obviously, Christmas movie, as is Trading Places, and, you know, in terms of the things that I do every Christmas, we watch both of those. Outstanding. Never considered Trading Places, but yeah, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, I believe that came out 40 years ago this year, and I shouldn't know what? that. Gareth, you are the author of The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. You have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and by all means, please do get better. Better, Ebola. We could fight it, and you can too. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the story the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hear the mainstream press talking about this stuff. Sean Hannity is on the radio. Ah, that's some happy Christmas music that's going on right here. I got to tell you, you could do a radio show from anywhere. And right now, Linda and I, along with our significant others, are on a beach earning 20% as we talk about this right now. So you think we're cold, New York? No, of course not. We're out of here, baby. Linda, my love, how are you? I'm just fabulous. Is that right? The final half hour. It's yes. always the best half hour of the show. Any big Christmas plans? Well, you know, I figure it's going to take me about 13 years to get home in traffic tonight. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to celebrating Christmas with my adult children. Yeah. Because that's how old they'll be by the time I get done with all this. I always had a rule when I went to any job, and that is not to set foot in three states while I'm trying to commute. And sure it's, enough, that's it, you. Dude, it's incredible. Like, I really... I hate to be on tilt about traffic because it's silly, but I think a lot of us are going through it, right? Yeah. Because the ineptitude spreads, right? And there's a lot of people who you're going to meet today on the roads and tomorrow. Who it's it's going to be their first day driving. And that's the only excuse I can come up with because the level of mistakes that are happening and the frequency at which they happen, yes. it's got to be their first day. You know what my theory is? Actually, it's not a theory because I've seen it in real time. Everybody, I'll, I'll say 77% of drivers are looking at their phones while they're driving. Oh, my God. Okay, so do you have talk to text in your phone, in yes. your car? Yeah. Okay, I would die without this, and I'm not kidding. I cannot text. I can't even text and walk. Right. I can't even use both thumbs. I'm a single-thumb texter, okay? Ooh. Yeah, I'm very old school. I'm not about it. I'm not mad at it, but yeah. I just can't do it, and it's fine. We all know our limitations. These are mine. I am driving, and I'm not going to say what speed I was doing, because it might have been a little faster than the appropriate 65, but 96. moving on. Might be ninety six. It mm. might be, but I, you know who's judging? And the guy next to me, who's keeping up with me, 
is texting and has his knee on the wheel. And I'm like, his knee. oh my God, dude, we're on the turnpike. Like at some point. Wow. I can see when you're in Manhattan and maybe you've been sitting on the same cross street for, I don't know, an hour. I feel you. I'm yeah. with you. I'm, I'm using my hands too. But come they, on. They would say if you're, say, drunk driving, right? And let's say you're at point one oh, right? Slightly above uh, the legal limit. That your reaction time slows by something like a half a second to a second. Then you think about texting. Your reaction time is sometimes three, four, five seconds before you're even it's looking gone. up. Yeah, you're immersed in your phone. You don't even realize it. And you assume every accident I've seen, the person that got into the accident usually is rear-ending somebody from behind, assumes that traffic is going to continue at a normal pace. But anyway, I think we believe we got off on a tangent because we're going to talk about my book, right? Which is, come on, man, the truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency. i got to get a shorter title for my next book, which, by the way, uh, the, the new contract came back today from the uh, lovely people at HarperCollins. So I have a second book coming in 2023. I got the bug, Lynn. So is this now going to be about Hunter because the first one was about Joe? No. Well, there'll be some Hunter in there. No question. It's called Not Your Daddy's Donkeys. Oh, God. Yes. That took a turn. It's not about farm animals or anything like that. that that's that's a conversation for after work. I got it. Yes. But uh, no, it's basically about yeah, the donkey, obviously, is the mascot of the Democratic Party. And your daddy's donkeys, for instance, John F. Kennedy, if you look at his platform, I went back and I've already researching for, for this book. He's a Republican, Mr. Kennedy, right? He was big time strong in military, stand up to the Soviets, cut taxes, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That sounds very Republican-y to me, right? Well, I mean, I think if we're being honest, you probably would agree with this. A lot yes. of people have the expression, a Reagan Democrat a Kennedy Republican, because back in the day, those lines were not as harsh as they are today. I think so. That's yeah. what I've learned. You know that uh, Jimmy Carter was a pro-life president and he was a Democrat? I didn't know that, actually. How is he going to get through the nomination process today? Let's say, like, if Jimmy Carter 2.0 somehow was created and ran. But don't you think back then, I mean, the pro-choice movement was really, I feel like it's definitely more of a 70s thing, you know, for sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like those people who came up through the, I mean, it wasn't even a conversation. Right. You're pregnant. You had a baby. That was it. Basically. The, the option of murdering your child was never on the docket. Roe you know? versus Wade. Yeah, it was only a couple of years before Carter was elected. So that makes sense. But still, just, just to think about that. And then Clinton, and I talked about this with Carol Roth. This is a guy who worked with Republicans for his own self-survival, right? Because his, his, his polling was in the toilet. He got shellacked in the midterms. And he could have done two things. He could have said, all right, I'm going to continue to go to the left. Or maybe I'll work with this Gingrich guy over here. And we're going to say that the era of big government is over. Picture any Democrat saying that now, right? Passes welfare reform with Gingrich. And something called a balanced budget amendment where we don't spend what we don't have. And we actually have a surplus. I mean, these are things that when you look back at some Democrats today, they wouldn't get past three weeks of a Democratic primary before they have to uh, wipe, uh, have to drop out. And the, the conclusion I come to, it's because of the CNNs, MSNBCs, woke New York Times, Washington Post have all pushed them in this direction. And if they go against that, they get eviscerated, right? That's how it works. So, so I think if we look yesterday, we were talking a little bit. I know you had this conversation a little bit with Carol, too. You know, we're looking at this ridiculous budget bill. Yeah. 1,455 pages. Correct. And they want to pass it. They've clearly not read it. But, you know, as Pelosi says, you got to pass it to read it. You know, that's the way it works in Congress. We okay, won't know fine. what's in the bill until we pass Listen, it. Listen, we got to pass the bill so we can find out what's in it. it. That's a direct quote, mm -hmm. right, from, you know, Queen of the Dentures. Okay, fine. So now we have this bill 
that has very little allocation to anything that Americans really care about. Like, can we look at refining natural gas? Can we talk about, you know, getting people the permits that they have on government lands, but maybe we can actually do something about it because right now the federal funding isn't there for them to find out if there's even anything there for them to or for. Yep. No, no, no. We are building LGBTQ trans fluid minority diverse amphitheaters clubs community parks i'm like i'm sorry i'm not saying you can't have one or two of these but we've got billions of dollars allocated to this and don't forget about the 3.6 million for a michelle obama trail in georgia oh my god i know i'm like listen she tried the garden she tried the vegetables it didn't work get her off the trail it's enough it's enough. And then when you look at it, how does it cost $3.6 million? I made a bike trail when I was young. I didn't need money to do it. Right? No, get a exactly. Just get out there, get some work. You know, we're going to have uh, plenty of people here to work since we're letting them in by the thousands a day. Yeah. Isn't that why they said we had a lot of men? Who said that? Was it Pelosi again, I think? I, yeah. yeah, we're quoting we need, her a lot. Them to, yeah, you know, well, she's just a wealth of wisdom. This trail is, this is the shovel-ready project You're that Obama well, was talking well about. Well played, sir. That just See? hit me. Totally organic. The ba- this is why you have a book deal. You got little quips like that. You're right. You know? It's true. But it your first naturally. book, you know, come on, man, was amazing. And I think Thank it you. would be interesting you know, even as your friend and your colleague, you know, when you told me the title of the book, I'm like, first of all, I love the title. Thank We're you. going back a couple of years. And then I was like, what are you doing for research? You're just like snipping what you hear all day because it's not hard. Right. I mean, yeah. every day is like a, like we have Zelensky today, forty five billion dollars to Mr. Zelensky because he's got a major war going on. So he has time to fly to D.C. I, Come on over and get some money because we haven't given him enough. Right. Mm. Has he flown to any other country to do a? Sp- I don't he's zoomed in. Does lots of zooming, but here he comes in person so that he can make Congress feel as guilty as possible. Yeah, and try to get more billions of dollars. I'm like, you listen, man. We got homeless veterans, we got homeless kids. Great point. People cannot pay their mortgages; they can't feed their children. I'm really sorry about what's happening in Ukraine. Could you ask Merkel if she wants to put a couple bucks in? Just asking. Exactly right. And and even who was it? Let's let's play that shot actually from. Senator Kennedy, not John F. Kennedy, of course, but but this would be uh, Senator Kennedy of Louisiana. Uh, and, and this this goes on for about a minute, but he's just so good. <laughs> I mean, talk about somebody who was created to not only sit in the Senate, but made for cable news because, man, just the analogies and, and the metaphors he uses are, are just perfect. But well, let's play Senator Kennedy. He breaks down this bill perfectly in terms of a microcosm of exactly what we are prioritizing in said bill. Go. Do we know what's in the bill? It's 4,200 pages, uh, give or take. Uh, is this another instance of no. we'll find out after we pass it? That, that's no way to do things. How does it keep happening? Yes. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know what's in it. And yes, uh, we'll have to find out later. My staff is, and I, uh, we are going through it right now, but it's 4,000 pages. Uh, there was reporting last night, for example, that the bill contains, I think, $400 million dollars to uh, to help Jordan, the country of Jordan, secure its border. Um, one 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 could marshal a pretty persuasive argument that that's a pretty dumb thing to do. Um, but but look, I have colleagues uh, on the Republican side as well as the Democratic it's side so, of the yeah. Senate that they don't think the spending makes any difference in terms of inflation. It makes them rapturously happy to spend money. Um, if they ran out of money, they'd be happy to slap a second mortgage or a reverse mortgage on Alaska and keep spending. 
<laughs> I like the reverse mortgage analogy. Have you done a reverse mortgage, by the way? Because Tom Selleck said I should. I really love Tom Selleck. Yes. And essentially anything Tom Selleck says, I would do, just like Courtney Cox, you know? Like, yes. It's awesome. He's amazing. He was Tom I Cruise before yet. Tom Cruise. Like, in uh, other words, Magnum P.I. was, what, Tom 40 years Cruise ago? Tom Cruise cannot hold a candle to Tom Selleck. I'm sorry. Any right? Oh, forget about it. Really? Oh, Tom Selleck's the OG, you know? Tom Cruise is a wannabe. So single Linda at 38 would consider... A Tom Cruise uh, rendezvous. Uh, Tom Selleck. I'm Tom sorry. Selleck. That's Please. what I meant. A lot of Toms. Yes. It's never going to be Tom Cruise. Okay. No, thank you. Right. Two almost, I don't know. Just a lot of things. Yeah. You know, Scientology being a, like a big one of That's them. That's a 70% like, percent of like it. Like huge. Right. You know, they say marriages. It's like money, religion, politics. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a thing. 71% of it's Scientology. Yeah, I would say, or, or 91. 91. You yeah. go that high. All yeah. right, very good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, j- just the fact that we're spending, let's see, $400 million for Jordan, the country of Jordan's border security, right? $400 million. Am, am I saying that correctly? Okay. You uh, are. Uh, that's, and how much are we spending on our U.S. southern border? Oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? The, the question is, okay, $400 million for Jordan's border security. Is that near Arizona or Singapore, which is where Kamala and Joe go when you mention the border, just so you know? Let's see. Not near Arizona at last check or Texas or California or any U.S. borders. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. I know. I, I, I don't even. And the thing is, there's just this malaise out there from so many folks that no one's. If you go to like a, a Christmas party this weekend, I'm pretty sure not too, too many people are going to talk about this. Not only are they not talking about it, yeah. they don't know about it. And if you bring it up, the first thing that comes up ever, without without missing a beat is, we are a nation of immigrants. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. We can all harken back to, you know, give me your tired, your poor. That's fine. We can do that all day long. We can also talk about the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. None of these people are doing that. Not to mention, by the same token, there's thousands of people in the United States doing it the legal way, paying thousands and thousands of dollars to immigration attorneys right. who are being thrown out because their work visa expired or because they overstayed a green, you know, not a green card, another um, visa that I can't think of the name of right now. But we've got SIV holders in Afghanistan. We've got American citizens in Afghanistan who are sitting there in the depths of despair. And we've forgotten about them. That whole no, lem- no man left behind thing. You're right. It's completely lost on Joe Biden. And here's the thing. When you take away Title 42, you're talking about up to 18,000 people entering this country every day. Right. So Madison Square Garden is what, about 20 blocks south of here? Or you go see a Ranger game, a Nick game uh, or, or where you live in Philadelphia, First Union, whatever it may be. The, the, it's like filling those arenas every day and that many people come in. Right. And now you're looking at something like more than six million people coming in next year. Six million. And my wife it works in healthcare, And trust me, it's already overrun. It's already overwhelmed. There simply are not enough doctors for the number of patients that are coming in. Can you imagine what this is going to do to that or our education system? And forget about the fentanyl. You went exactly where I wanted to go, which is the education system. As parents, Mm -hmm. this to me is the most troubling aspect, right? So our kids have been threatened with so many things over the past three years in this pandemic, as they call it. And that word only applies when it suits them, right? And then we've got Thousands upon thousands, now in the upwards of hundreds of thousands, like the likes we've never seen before. No checks, no balances. They're just coming in. We're giving them tents in parking lots, rooms in hostels, food, phone plans, and they're in our public education system. What is that doing to American kids? They don't speak the language. They have no assimilation. There aren't enough ESL teachers in the world. To handle this influx. I'm sorry. You're, you're precisely right. All I know is that before the pandemic, we were ranked 25th in the world in reading, writing, math, and science. Guess who was number one? Starts with a C and ends with an A. China. You know why? Because while we're debating, and I think it was Bill Maher who said this, but it was a great line. Uh, 
while they're building bridges, we're debating on what to rename them. And it was a great line, and it's true, right? Our priorities say are that so again. out of whack. Say that again. I'll say it again. Bill Maher once said that while China is building bridges in schools, we are debating on what to rename them, right? That, 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 that basically ben sums Carson, it up. perfect example this week. There you go. Anyway, I, I could talk about this all day, but but basically just to uh, put a little bow on Come On Man, my, my book that came out in September, bestseller, the, the, the research was done all by me, and it wasn't hard with the Google machine and other things that you could do from your phone when you're waiting on a subway or whatever else like that, and the thing wrote itself. And it's not just Joe Biden at 80 and, oh, you know, his age, and he's starting to lose it. You go all the way back to his early 20s. This is who this man has always been, a compulsive liar and incompetent. And somehow failed his way all the way up. Usually there's a ceiling on the failing up part. He got all the way to the White House. And now we are seeing the results of that, where as a senator, you can mock him. And as a vice president, you can mock him because he doesn't have a lot of power. Now he has a lot of power, and we're seeing what he's doing with that power. And it's downright scary and a whole bowl of wrong. Joe Concha filling in for Sean Hannity. The Sean Hannity Show. We wrap this puppy up in just a moment. was fast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Joe Concha had a great time here. I'm speaking in the third person. In for Sean Hannity. Thank you to Carol Roth. Fighting illness and still joined us from Chicago. The great Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter and her tremendous reporting from the border. I'm Joe Concha. You have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.